0: Welcome to The Emily Osmond Show, your place to learn how to make marketing, money and mindset your superpowers, because the world needs more women taking up more space. And together we can do this through growing our businesses, our platforms and our communities. I'm your host, Emily Osmond, a business coach and speaker based in Melbourne, Australia. Twice a week, you'll hear honest, insightful conversations with my guests, along with a dose of real talk from me. Come and say hi over on Instagram at Emily Osmond. And now let's get into the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm joined by Jess Williamson. She's an award-winning mindset and business coach and a serial entrepreneur who's run four businesses in the past five years and you'll hear a little bit more about a few of these in this episode. Jess has been featured in publications such as Forbes, Channel 9 News and The West Australian to name a few for her expertise in growing businesses online. In this episode, Jess and I discuss how she got her start in the entrepreneurial world. We chat about how she really identifies as an introvert and how this shows up for her, what she's learned about this, the challenges and mostly the strengths that she leans into being more of an introverted entrepreneur. We also discuss how she manages her energy and how she structures her week to really protect it. We also hear Jess's top mindset tips, the things that have really helped to propel her forward and see her achieve remarkable things in her short journey so far in the entrepreneurial world. So without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Jess Williamson. so good to chat with you today Jess.
1: Thanks Emily, I'm really excited to chat. So
0: why don't we kick this off with a little introduction to yourself. You've got such an amazing breadth of experience in the entrepreneurial world, you've had multiple businesses. Let's start off with what exactly is that you do right now and then I'll ask you to go back in time a little bit but what do you spend your days doing currently?
1: Currently I am a business and mindset coach so Even inside that, there's like five different things. As you would know as well, I have my membership. I have my one-on-one coaching. I have my podcast. I run events, which, you know, you were an amazing speaker at. Unfortunately, the in-person event didn't go ahead, but, (laughs) you know, we made it happen.
0: We were so close. We were so close. And then it was, I think that day, wasn't it? It was lockdown. Damn. But you were so good. You took it online and it was brilliant. Oh, well,
1: thanks for being part of it. But my days look like that. And I am trying to learned to slow down for once in my life. And so earlier in the year, I sold my very first business, Ette Swimwear, which was my first business, my little baby, but I got to the point where I just wasn't as lit up by it anymore, you know? So I kind of look back and I realize I started that business because I loved Instagram and I used to create Instagram accounts for fun and I loved fashion and I worked in marketing. So I thought, let me just combine all these things. However, I didn't ever see myself as a fashion designer. I was like, no, I'm a business owner. I'm not a fashion designer. I designed things and, you know, I didn't love the manufacturing. So there was a few parts of it that I did. And it was great at the time. I got to do some really exciting things like jet set all over the world and meet some incredible people along the way. But it just wasn't lighting me up anymore. And even though it was still profitable and ticking along and I didn't have to spend too much time on it, I decided to exit that. So now my days are a little bit more spaced out. I'm not running on adrenaline 24 seven, which has been a really good journey and a journey that I'm still on as well.
0: As we always are, aren't we? It's just continuous learning and working out what works best for us.
1: Absolutely. So
0: what were you doing, Jess, before you launched that first business that you had? You You mentioned you were in marketing, I think. What did that look
1: like? And take us back to before you were an entrepreneur. Yeah, this is interesting because there were so many little clues throughout my whole childhood. So when I was trying to choose what I wanted to study at uni, I was thinking, "Hmm, maybe psychology. I like to know how people work, but I do not, like I used to have severe nightmares, so I was like I can't deal with anything like too traumatic." So I actually ended up in a pretty cool place where I now get to work on mindset and the psychology but for success. So that's really exciting. I also thought maybe I want to be a lawyer because I'm really great at arguing. People always tell me to stop arguing my whole life. I <laughs> <So> love it. <laughs> maybe I want to be a lawyer.
0: Oh, that's a good skill. I feel like I'm so terrible. I don't, I'm like, just take
1: it. <laughs> but then I did business law 101 in uni and I was like, hell no, <laughs> this is boring. I can't memorize stuff. But I went to uni and I thought, look, I'm going to be a CEO one day. So I better study management. And like, this is me at 17. Like who thinks like that? You know, I'm going to be a CEO. So I better study management. So I've kind of always had this drive or this passion. And it wasn't even like, who are you to think you're going to be CEO? I was like, hmm, This is what I probably need to do. So my brain's always worked in this way where I'm like, yep, I'm doing it. And that's what I'm doing. (laughs) So obviously at 17, I thought a CEO looked like someone in a damn suit because there weren't female entrepreneurs. It wasn't even that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, but this world didn't exist at all. I mean, Lisa Messenger was one of the very first ones, and I only discovered her a few years after I finished uni and I used to love her magazines. Oh my gosh, and- same.
0: I remember seeing it pop up in the supermarket. must have been one of the first editions of, of the collective magazine. And it just kind of opened my eyes to this whole entrepreneur thing. And just seeing the, such a diversity of different people that had their own businesses just kind of planted that seed for me. And uh, yeah, I I just love hearing it was a similar thing for you as well. Gosh, we got Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. I know it was
1: amazing. (laughs) And so I used to literally share her books with everyone, her magazines with everyone. And even my boss at my very first job, she ended up making her own business as well. And Lisa Messenger, I actually convinced her to come to Perth. And so I spoke alongside her in Perth and we got to hang out. And It's funny because my very first boss from my first job was at that event in the audience. And she was like, Jess, I remember when you showed me her magazines like five plus years ago. So it's just an amazing situation that came about. Like everything's come full circle circle kind of thing. So that was really cool. So I was obsessed with that. And then, like I said, I used to just make Instagram accounts for fun. I got obsessed with digital marketing and at uni, they didn't even teach one unit of digital marketing, which is just wild. Like Instagram was out, everything was happening when I was at uni and there was not even one unit, like even still, they're very far behind. So I did a lot of my own upskilling for digital marketing. And so then I finally got a job in digital marketing and I would just create these Instagram accounts for fun. I had an interior design Instagram account that was actually called Oz Designs and I grew it to like 5,000 followers and then I got bored and changed it to something else. So I'm like, damn it. I could have been a massive interior design influencer by now. So, yeah, so there's some really fun similarities that we've got along the way, you know, digital marketing, interiors, all of these things. So (laughs) I was working in digital marketing for a while and pretty much the business that I came on board in They made a role for me because I went into this interview for a communications role and I couldn't think of anything worse than writing blogs all day. It's not my favorite thing. So I went for this job because I was like, give me any job. This sounds fun. And I was just so passionate about digital marketing that they were like, shit, this girl is passionate. Let's make a role for her. So that was really cool. And then the business got taken over a couple of months after I got on board. This was a major, major company here in Perth and Australia. And so they fired our SEO agency. They fired our digital agency. They fired our media agency. And all of my managers quit because they were like, I'm not on board for this. So then there was me. And I got advanced handovers from all of these insanely advanced strategies in digital marketing. So it was like the best crash course because I'm someone I'm like, throw me in the deep end, give it to me, you know, give me all the knowledge. So then I was managing half a million dollar budgets every single month on just Facebook ads myself after like six months. So that was a really awesome crash course and it it gave me something. But at the same time, I was still capped. Like I was like, let me do this. And then people who had no idea about digital marketing were telling me what to do. And I was like, I'm not here for this. So I started Eti Swimwear and I pretty much just started that because, like I said, I loved Instagram, I loved fashion. I always wanted to work in fashion, but everything was in Melbourne. And at the same time, if you didn't have experience in fashion, then you couldn't get experience. And it was like this catch-22, like they want people who've worked in fashion, but how am I meant to work in fashion if you won't let me work? (laughs) So I was like, I'm just going to start my own thing. I have no idea how to manufacture goods. I have no idea how to run a business, but hey... I believe in myself. I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to make this global brand. And I think now looking back, that's why I'm so passionate about mindset. If I didn't believe firstly that I could do it, I never would have taken that leap. And I just thought, hmm, I've got an idea. What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? I never thought, well, who am I? I've got no experience. And within seven months, I came to Melbourne and did my first photo shoot because there was a photographer there that I just loved Within seven months of the idea, I had manufactured all my goods. I made a whole website. I built my Instagram up to like 5,000 followers and then I launched. And so now that I look back, I'm like, how did I even do that? Because now it still takes six to 12 months to make a collection when you know what you're doing, let alone (laughs) when you don't.
0: (laughs) When you're brand new, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Do you have any insight as to why perhaps some of those more negative or limiting beliefs didn't come up for you? Do you think it was the way that you were raised in terms of just perhaps having more confidence than other people potentially? Why do you think that was?
1: Yeah, I think my parents have always been really encouraging and so probably a bit of the environment that I've been around. But I don't know where it comes from. I remember being in primary school and I actually did a whole podcast episode on this because you forget about these things until you look back. But in primary school, I used to think it was a bit boring to just play on the playground, right? Do it every day, bit boring. Let's organize like a girls club where we have competitions or we play games and there's prizes. And so I made these little membership forms that were like, and I had a little drawing of each person. And then it was 20 cents to join. And it was a not-for-profit, basically. So I would take the 20 cents that everyone paid and go to the canteen, buy the lollies, and that would be the prize. But it lasted about two days because the teachers found out and decided that it was like a scam. I had to give everyone's money back. (laughs) And then I got in trouble. And I think that's really sad because... If someone was like, let's make this a thing. Imagine if I could like franchise this out to all the kids in the schools and like, you know, I could have made that really cool. But a teacher told me, no, it's bad. Give the money back. And I was like, but it's not bad. Like I'm not even pocketing the money. I'm putting the money, even if I was pocketing the money, I deserve to, because it was my idea, you know, but like we get taught these things. So I think, it's awesome. These young generations getting to see what is possibly out there and, you know, getting encouraged to do these things. So, I think it was kind of always in me in a way. And yeah, my parents have always been quite encouraging. I mean, my dad has his own paint shop and my mum used to do a lot of art and she actually got to exhibit her art in Michael Jackson's house in America once. So I think they're both quite driven and my dad's very logical and my mum's very creative. So it's kind of a good combination.
0: Oh, it's so good. It's so interesting to hear how different people just have different ways of thinking about things. So thank you for sharing. Would you say that you're more of an introvert
1: than an extrovert? Definitely, definitely. I'm, I remember when I was a kid, if people would be yelling out my name like, hey, Jess, hey, Jess, I would wait until they called my name three times before I looked because I was worried if I looked and they weren't talking to me, I would be so embarrassed. So I'm like, I've always been super, super shy and like quiet and told that I'm too quiet my whole life. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask how that kind of showed up for you. In what ways do you think it plays out for you today as a business owner and someone that does feel like they're more of an introvert? What are some um some ways that you notice this in yourself?
1: Yeah, so probably if we were around 5 years ago, I would have never been here on the podcast because I would have been like freaking out. I remember the first time I had to do a speaking gig or even at uni, I would just go so red, my whole body, like I couldn't even function. I didn't even know what my name was. They were like, introduce yourself. And I'm like, oh, I forgot what my name is. So like my whole body would just go into shock. And so it is the shy element, but also, you know, being by yourself to recharge. So a lot of people find it a bit strange, but currently me and my partner are building house. So we're not currently living together. And I only see him on the weekends because I work during the week and then I need to recharge. I need to be by myself. So, I mean, we might see each other during the week, but, you know, I just need that time by myself to really recharge. So for me now, it shows up in more those ways. And this is something that I figured out is a lot of people and I could have probably hid behind the fact that I was more shy and I could have said, look, I'm an introvert, can't do public speaking. But through practice, that's where I built it up. And I think a lot of people group introversion with lack of confidence and I think that that couldn't be further from the truth just because you might be more shy or more quiet it doesn't mean you're less confident and that you can't build confidence to show up you know on this podcast I had no idea what you're going to ask me and I'm here and you know now my brain can function and I know what my name is now yeah It's
0: such a good distinction that, Jess, around you can be introverted, but it doesn't mean you lack confidence necessarily. And I know I definitely see myself as more of an introvert, like just that downtime I really need. It's when I just feel good and feel like I can then get back out there. But people often, and they're probably the same with you, I can imagine, because this is what I think of you. It's like, oh, really? You seem, you know, so bubbly and outgoing. What do you say to people when they say that to you and perhaps like, really?
1: How are you an introvert? When I show up online, it's still just me by myself, right? So what shocks people is when they see me out. And not that I'm two different people, but one of the main qualities or traits of an introvert is when you're in big groups, you more observe and listen. So when I'm in a group setting, when I'm at a networking event, I'm scanning the room, not consciously, but you know, you're scanning the room, you're kind of listening in on things, taking in things. And then when you speak, it's like, You just have this thing to say and that's about it. Whereas other people just like take over the room. Whereas me, they probably wouldn't even notice I'm there. Like I went to a networking event the other week to celebrate my friend's launch event. And a few people came up and they're like, excuse me, are you Jess Williamson? And I was like, this is weird to start with. Like five people did it. And I was like, how do they know who I am? (laughs) Like, this is weird. But at the same time, I almost felt a little bit insecure at the same time because then I'm like, hmm, am I not showing up in the same way? And like, I catch myself having these thoughts and, you know, showing up online is different because I'm just talking. There's no one else talking around me that I'm trying to listen into. So when I'm in groups, I listen, I listen to what's going on. I adapt a bit to people's energies and things like that. I'm not just like, super loud or bubbly or you know I don't take over the room kind of thing like more so extroverted personalities might and so for me that's been a big learning thing especially around the confidence because for so long I heard incredible people online saying oh I have been told to play it down now I'm here and I'm being big and bold and you've got to be big and bold to be yourself and you've got to swear on your podcast and you've got to do this and I'm like do I need to swear do I need to start swearing to be myself am I playing to society's values of not swearing. And I'm like, no, I've never sweared. It's weird if I've tried to swear. Like it wasn't until probably just a year ago that I realized, hmm, I don't need to swear. (laughs) I don't need to try and be louder for people to take me seriously. And this is just like an instilled belief that I've had my whole life. When I used to go for job interviews, I would always get the interview because of my resume. Like I had some great experience, up leveled myself, took a lot of initiative, but I went to the interview and quite often I never got the job. I would always ask for feedback because I'm always looking to grow. And quite often the feedback was like, oh, look, we just think you're a bit too quiet. You might be a bit intimidated, you know, especially in the marketing world, you know, in advertising agencies and things, they're always quite extroverted people. And that was the feedback. So I was like, hmm, to get a job, I've got to be louder. And I was already nervous going into interviews. And then there's me trying to be more loud and I'm like no that's not me but for so long no one spoke about being an introvert and how there's actually strength in listening. So yeah, it's really, really interesting. Well, I'd love
0: to hear some of the strengths or the benefits that you've had um, or experienced personally for being more of an introvert. Where do you see kind of some of those strengths come out for you?
1: Yeah, I think the deep listening is really something like when I was younger or in school, I would know everything about my friends. And I share this in my podcast, but you know, those old Dolly quizzes and it was like, how well do you know your best friend? We would do it. And I would know every answer about all of my friends. Then they did it about me. Not one of them had a clue. And that was also when I thought, hmm, I probably need to be louder. I didn't look at it thinking, wow, I'm a good listener. I looked at it thinking, I felt really down. Like, why don't they know anything about me? And I know everything about them. But that is a strength. Because then I was like, oh, maybe I need to be more narcissistic and talk about myself more. Like, I didn't know that word back then. But, you know, I was like, maybe I need to be more like selfish and talk about myself even when no one asks, you know, like, you know, all of that sort of thoughts went through my head. But now I see that listening is a strength. And I work. One on one with my coaching clients. A lot of people saying you have to do group masterminds and group programs. And I'm like, no, 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 but my energy is better one on one. So we can have, as introverts, deeper conversations one on one than we can, you know, in a group setting more so. And I love it because I can really listen to the clients. I don't have a curriculum, I don't have like these are my four steps we go through in my coaching programs completely custom because I love just listening deeply and listening to things that they're not even actually saying, but I'll pick up on and they're like, wow, how did you know that, Jess? And I'm like, I just know, I don't know how I know, but I can listen in a way that I can can kind
0: of pick it up intuitively through. Yeah. And ask good questions. I think when you're a good listener, you can also ask really,
1: really good questions. Mm. Definitely. So, yeah, it's shown up in those ways, but also in terms of the energy and just not feeling guilty about saying no. Like, I used to always say yes and feel like I had to be at all these networking events or, you know, things. But now I'm like, actually, I need to stop saying yes because. I need to recharge. And if I'm not recharging, then I want to use that energy to spend with my partner or my, you know, best friends and things like that. So just managing from an energy point of view. So when I was meant to come to Melbourne and meant to come to Sydney, this is what I always used to do. I was going to go (laughs) fly to Melbourne on Thursday, do the Melbourne event on Friday, fly to Sydney on Saturday, do a Sydney event Sunday, fly home. That would have been my normal situation because I'm like, I can do it. Logically, it sounds like it's cool, but then this time didn't happen, unfortunately, but this time I was like, I'm going to fly to Melbourne on Wednesday, have a whole day Thursday, then do the event Friday, have a week in Melbourne to chill out, catch up with friends, do what I want, then fly to Sydney on Wednesday do the event Friday and have a few days in Sydney. So I was going to go for two weeks, one week at each because I knew my energy and I'm grateful that now I don't have to scrimp and be like, holy shit, accommodation's too expensive. I've got to cram it in. I'm grateful for that. But just understanding my energy. So look, hopefully I can come next year (laughs) instead, but I was planning on like going and having a massage in between and just doing all of these things and just got an Airbnb to just chill out and, and not see anyone. So just understanding that as well. Otherwise, I would have burnt out. And when I did my Perth event, I was tired for a week just because it drained my energy. Um, not because people were draining or anything. It was just that being on stage is one thing. It takes a lot of energy. But then being in a room of a lot of people as well. So, yeah.
0: How do you uh, structure your week? Is there anything particular? You mentioned around in the evening times, you look to more recharge a little bit. But anything else that you do during your week to help manage your energy?
1: Yes. Yeah, before COVID, I had five businesses. <laughs> So a few of those stopped due to COVID and I exited and then I had the swimwear and and my coaching and so that was still a lot. So now I've got a bit more movement and a bit more space. So now I take my mornings a bit slower. I used to always just wake up and get straight on the computer because I'd feel rushed and behind on the day and then I wouldn't eat until three o'clock and then, you know, the hot, it's just a mess. I can't even believe that I used to operate like that for so long. So now I make sure that I wake up. I don't wake up before like 7am unless I really accidentally wake up. I let myself sleep and then have a slow morning and then I'll usually start working at like nine, sometimes ten. If I want to, might do some exercise, and then I'll do usually some coaching calls or some of the harder things in the morning, like bigger projects. And then I'll usually have lunch and then the afternoon is just a bit of tinkering, maybe If there's nothing urgent, maybe if I need to rest, then I'll take it off as well. But usually just admin and things that are easier when I've got less energy. But I always have Fridays as my day to just do whatever I need. So if I really have to, and like I need to fit in a client or, or a meeting or something, then I will. But usually Fridays are my day. If I really am just so depleted, then I'll just rest. Do nothing. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to catch up with my cousin or my friend or something like that. Or maybe I want to do some learning because we never make enough time to do learning. We always, you know, <laughs> sign up for these things and then we never make time to do them. So sometimes I do the learning because that actually really regenerates me. That makes me feel energized and excited. And, you know, it's always good to invest in your own learning ongoing as well. So Fridays are just my day to do what my energy feels it needs. So otherwise, you know, you get to Friday and you're like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. And then on the weekend, you'd, doing you know social things or people yeah. around or whatever it
0: is like my partner and I it's so funny because he'll get to the weekend and be like oh I just need to rest or he'll go on holidays and I'll be like right let's do an adventurous holiday like go hiking around and visit all these different places and he's like oh, I just need to go and like just chill out in a resort but I think as well I've and it was so lucky to to be able to when we're when we run our own show or perhaps if you work in in a company that you have more um, flexibility which looks like it's the new norm with COVID changing things but to be able to structure our week and our life around just what works for us. I'm the same in terms of the Fridays. I keep it pretty clear. And then uh, sometimes I'll just be like raring to go and working in other days or other weeks. It's just beautiful to chill out or do some social things, catch up, you know, keep it really flexible. But yeah, I I was just nodding along thinking, oh, so similar, I can definitely relate. So I'd love to hear, uh, Jess, you are a business and mindset coach what would be some of the biggest mindset lessons and shifts that you have worked on personally? What are some of them that have just been huge for you? I would love you to share.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it was almost like going back and breaking down what I did to get here. So just having that realization to unpack The way my brain was working, because like I said, I didn't really have many of those limiting beliefs. And when I first launched my swimwear brand in the very first week, I was invited to New York Fashion Week. It was crazy. And I thought of this has got to be a scam. Like who is inviting me to New York Fashion Week? But it checked out and it wasn't a scam. And so I was invited to be in an Australian showcase with brands that I have loved for years. And so I could have said firstly, well, I was was still working for that whole year of my first year in business. And I could have said, well, I've got no annual leave. Secondly, I've got no money. I just spent all the money on my first collection, haven't made too many sales. And so I had to make a whole new collection, which costs money, had to get to New York, you know, all of that costs money. I could have said, well, who am I to be on the stage with these other brands who are way bigger and more established? So many things, so many reasons why I could have said no, but not one of these even crossed my mind. And I just said yes. And then I was like, I'm going. And then I was like, well, I've got to figure out how on earth I'm going to pay for this. How am I going to make a whole new collection in less than six months? Get it ready, get it on the stage, (laughs) go to New York. Like I have no idea what I'm doing, but I said yes. And then I was figure it out. So I actually didn't realize not everyone thinks like that (laughs) until I started speaking to more entrepreneurs and working with them. And I realized, well, wow, okay. Not everyone thinks like that. So what did I do? Like, how did that happen that I was just like, yes, do it? Because I realized that a lot of people would have said no to that. So a lot of it was more me unpacking the way I thought and, and how I can use that as a tool for other people. But my biggest one for me was probably more so that confidence. And when I first started the swimwear brand, I was more than confident in my own abilities, always have been. I was like, I'm going to make this global. It's going to be massive. It's going to be great. And that in itself is a mindset thing, right? If people think I'm going to practice and I'm going to play small, because a lot of people say to me, can I just practice, Jess? And I'm like, what are you practicing? (laughs) We're here. We're, you know, we're launched, you know. Um, There's no practice. Let's go. You want to be global? Let's be global. So I was global from day one because I decided No other reason because I decided and then I was invited to New York Fashion Week because I did a photo shoot that looked professional because I, you know, all of these things added up because I decided I'm going to be global. I'm going to be a big brand. So that's where people go wrong. They think, oh, let me try it as a hobby. I'll see if it works. If it doesn't work, then I'll give up and try something else. It's always going to be a hobby if you decide it's a hobby. So that for me was big, but I didn't want anyone to know who was behind the brand. I didn't have my name on my website. I didn't have my name anywhere. I was like, I'm going to rock this. I'm going to be it. It's going to be amazing. I didn't want anyone to know who it was. And maybe that was, you know, some part of me thinking I might be judged or part of me thinking people would be like, well, who the hell's this chick, you know, (laughs) trying to trying to make this big thing or I don't know. All of these things probably were combined. I didn't have a conscious thought about it. I was just like, look, I don't want anyone to know it's me, but I'm going to do it and it's going to be great. And even when I first told my friends, we were actually having like a pool party at one of their house and I was wearing the samples of my swimwear and they didn't have a clue. And I was just like dropped in a little comment I was like excuse me guys I'm starting a swimwear brand and they're like what the heck cuz like it just was so left of field they hadn't heard anything about it and they was like this is the swimwear and they were kind of didn't know what to think you know like it's so left of field this is not what Jess fits in their box of kind of thing and it wasn't anything to do with them being negative or anything it was just that they weren't that excited but I wasn't excited telling them so they were probably bouncing off my energy at the same time so for me that was the biggest mindset shift in now I'm a personal brand. It's pretty crazy, you know. I'm going from no one knowing who I am to now I'm a personal brand and people coming up to me at events saying, excuse me, are you Jess Williams?" <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? So that was the biggest thing, but that was incremental, you know, that, that happened over time. I was
0: going to ask how you did that change. So it was just little by little.
1: I think my drive always overrided everything else. So I was like, I've gone to New York Fashion Week. I don't have any money. I need to do some marketing. And you'll probably appreciate this. I was like, how can I do it for free? Let me speak at some events. And I was like, well, speaking is my worst nightmare. But I just knew that hmm, this is free. I can speak. I can get my message out there and I can build awareness about my brand. So I just emailed a bunch of people. And this is another thing. People don't realize you ask for opportunities. You don't wait for people to invite you to speak. You just go and ask them, hey, can I speak at your event? I've got this message. You know, you can ask for opportunities. So I asked and this girl said yes. She was like, you've got a five minute slot before the actual speakers come on. (laughs) I was like, great. And it was a room of like 20 women, super intimate, super relaxed as well. But I was so nervous. I practiced for four weeks, practiced for this five minute thing. And all I had to do was say literally what I did. Hey, this is me. I went to New York. Like, this is what I did practice for four weeks. Um, I was so, so nervous. And then when I got there, I was shaking. I had the clicker to click the slides. And then I was shaking so bad and flinging my arms around that I threw the clicker on the floor and it <laughs> broke for all the rest oh. of the speakers. <laughs> and This was so embarrassing, oh, no. but That built like 1% of confidence, right? Because I was like, I've done it now. And afterwards, people came up and they were like, thank you for sharing. And I was like, what are you thanking me for? That was terrible. But they got something out of it. So for me, it was that mindset shift of if just one person can take like one tiny thing away from what I've said, then it's all worth it. And that is one thing that I've taken through with me through everything. If one person can get something from this, whether people are laughing at me, well, I don't care because I'm helping at least one person. If one person can take something that I've said, then that's worth it to me. So it's almost taking something that outweighs the fear. And if people are scared of taking a leap or whatever it is, it's like, well, what is actually the fear? And what outweighs that? You know, showing your kid that you're brave, being a great role model or having an impact on someone or showing your product that, you know, can help someone because no one starts a business unless your product or service can help someone. Otherwise you've got no more customers. So if you can help someone with whatever you're doing, then that almost always outweighs the fear. I love that. And I found that so helpful myself. It's like, okay,
0: Will I not do this because I'm scared or will I do this because of getting that word out there about something or just an amazing opportunity that I don't want to regret saying no to because I was scared or didn't believe in myself. So, um, yeah, such a good point to make. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so good to chat, to learn a little bit more about your early adventure and then what it looks like for you as an introvert running your own businesses or business now and uh, also some of those mindset shifts that are so, so powerful. So thank you so much for chatting with
1: me today. Thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And where can everyone go
0: to find you, connect with you, and work with you?
1: Yeah, so the best place would be my Instagram, just jess.williamson8, because there seems to be the most common name in history. (laughs) And yeah, all the links and like everything is there. My DMs are always open, so feel free to reach out if you guys have gotten something from this episode. I'd love to hear from you. Yay! This
0: episode is brought to you by my free online masterclass. Why your marketing isn't making you sales and what to do about it. You'll learn how to get heard and seen in this noisy online world and stop being invisible. How to fill your audience with the right people. People who will love your content and will actually buy your products, services or programs. And how to consistently turn your followers into raving customers without being fake or salesy. This free masterclass is perfect if you're about to launch your business or you're a small business owner. Register now at emilyosmond.com forward slash free. That's emilyosmond.com forward slash free. And remember, until next time, connection over perfection. You've got this and we'll speak soon.